You are listening to the Practicing the Art of Small Business podcast with Shannon Merlo and Julie Parker. Enjoy this conversation about business, leadership, and the self-awareness journey to great success. Welcome, Julie, and welcome listeners to Practicing the Art of Small Business, episode number 43. Oh, you're saying 41. Oh, gosh, I said behind the times. 43. Oh, yep. Julie's doing hand signals at me and this is probably a good time for me to remind our listeners that we're on the tubes julie <laughs> on the youtubes the and tubes. if people want to actually see how we communicate with each other while we're on the podcast but not actually talk to each other <laughs> it's a good way to find out <laughs> it's a warm day today isn't it shannon we're heading up for a few warm days in a row we are, and the guy called me to replace my air conditioning today, and he will be out next week as we go into winter, which is wonderful. <laughs> as long as the timing is right. <laughs> it's well, the first it's few hot days of this season, our air conditioning carked it too, so I, I can't extend to you complete sympathy with it because I've been through it myself, so if I suffer, somebody else should suffer as well. <laughs> <laughs> I've just got your extended suffering because mine's been out since December. Oh, so. well, maybe I do feel sorry for you. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. <sighs> Julie, we're on episode number 43. Mm, by the sounds of it, yes. Yes. And we're going to have questions. Question time with Julie and Shannon. With Julie and Shannon. You suggested today's topic and I thought that's kind of brilliant. So do you want to give me a bit of a backstory and then I'll back that up with another backstory and then we'll go from there. How does that sound? Sounds groovy. And I've got a feeling my backstory for over this past week is going to resonate with every single person that watches or listens to this program. <laughs> <laughs> Not to put a too fine a point on it. <laughs> and so with, all, with your projects within your business, whether you're a service industry, product industry, whatever the thing is, you're out there trying to get all the hundred things right when you are marketing or communicating the value of what you offer or your product offers to the marketplace. And when they don't, it's always actually surprised me, to be honest with you, Shannon, when I do put an ad out on social media or send an email out to my whole list, even after 10 years, <laughs> I'm still surprise when people don't all of a sudden sign up straight away just after one email. <laughs> Why aren't they, Julie? I don't know. As I say, I've got to get a 100 things right like everybody else does in order for people to eventually buy. And it's such a long process, so many details. Every, every, all the marketers have different little pieces of advice around it. But this past week has been, I've repeated the same question to myself that I've repeated many, many times over the past 10 years. And let me know whether you've repeated it to yourself as well. When you research and try the thing and you end up going, like you're driving down the street and you get an email and you think, oh, maybe that's someone buying, still no one buying. And you end up screaming to yourself in your head, what's going wrong? Why aren't they buying? Have you ever felt that way before, Shannon? <laughs> No, everyone buys. Everyone, everyone buys. buys. Everything I offer. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, we did start that conversation with house things. I said, everything's great. Everything's moving along. I just want some more people to buy. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Don't we all? Don't we all? And so it's about, it's about recognising there is a frustrated question that we can ask ourselves and 
no answers ever really come in when we ask that question. And so it did bring me to the thought this week, well, maybe I'm asking myself the wrong question. Maybe I'm asking myself a poor question and there are more helpful questions that I could be asking. Mm. And so this episode is going to be about the questions that we ask and the usefulness of them, not the youthfulness of them, because questions are not age appropriate. (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually, no, questions are age appropriate, but we're going down another rabbit hole. So yes, I think that this is a great topic because the the experience that I've got, I've actually got two, I've created another one, Julie. But I... I think I've shared on the podcast. If not, everyone sit back. This is a get to know Shannon moment. I am Shannon and I am a ruminator. Yeah. I, I love me a rumination. I really do. Julie, oh, isn't it? It's fantastic <laughs> because my brain doesn't have enough things to worry about to start off with. It creates problems and just ruminates on them for days, days and days. And uh, my therapist actually said similar thing. What's the questions that you ask? And one of the things that she said to me was, or a strategy that I could use is, am I trying to solve a problem or am I beating myself up? Mm. Because from a rumination perspective, especially when there's, you know, um, an experience of uh, reflecting on the day or a problem, is my brain trying to tell me, you're not good enough, you're really crap, or am I actually trying to solve a problem? And do you know how much just asking that one question has impacted my tendency to ruminate? Because as soon as I can identify that I'm not solving a problem, I'm just beating myself up, my brain's like, yeah, okay, let's stop that. That's great. I love it. So the the power of the questions that we ask ourselves is, is incredible. And the final example that I wanted to give, which I think all of our listeners would be experiencing as well, is as we do run the business, there is often this time pressure. What do we do? Getting distracted, focus problems. And I think often if we asked ourselves the right questions, we would be able to shift out of that overwhelm experience quicker and but we might not even get to the overwhelm perspective so there is a huge amount of power in the questions that we ask yeah that's it and when you think about it your our own histories it's through moments of frustration often that that becomes the turning point we eventually identify a path and we go down there and we learn things or adopt things or discover things or do things that we go oh that worked so the frustration it can be useful I think what it ends up looking like in your life is whether it's actually helpful or not like how quickly can you move through it does it debilitate you those sort of things we don't want it to be debilitating frustration we don't want it to be stagnant frustration that we don't move on for it we just like to sit in it um and so your rumination thing that's interesting because like is this going to be useful is it useful thought well in that case it's just it's just the it's just a rumination standing still thought well they've got time for that let's go on and do something different with this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yes absolutely so perhaps i want to start off with how i thought what we do julie is 
One of the frameworks that I love teaching people, and I'm sure we've talked about it before on the podcast, but I don't have a recollection of what episode it is, but above the line and below the line thinking, and we'll pop a really fantastic image in the show show load. The show loads, great. (laughs) Check out our show loads. They are very useful. So we'll pop them in the show notes. But perhaps if we describe in terms of a framework on what questions we ask ourselves, perhaps we start at the bigger picture of above the line and below the line thinking, because I wonder whether most of the time when we're in a below the line thinking stage, we're asking, we are asking those wrong questions. Correct. It it comes from the space that we're holding, doesn't it? Yeah. Exactly. And a classic example of that is, you know, what Tony Robbins kind of says in a way when he talks about there are people in the world that think that life is happening to them and others that think that life is happening for them. In one of those low energy spaces, if that's the one we're holding, we do get a little bit victim-y. Oh, it never works for me. It works for everybody else as well. And rather than um, actually helpful thought that progresses you forward down and a discovery journey. Yes, Absolutely. Julie, what's your understanding of the above the line, below the line thinking model framework thing? You talk about it often and I (laughs) (laughs) I have always imagined that one is disempowering, below the line is disempowering and stuckness Mm -hmm. and the Mm -hmm. other is empowering and forward motion or progress. Yeah, exactly. And I'll go through some examples of above the line and below the line, but another way or another thing that people might have heard or referred to is cause or effect. Are you thinking that you're at cause of what happens in your life? So you are the cause or the creator of of all the good and all the bad? Or are you sitting at effect, which is below the line, and therefore you are at effect, E-double-F-E-C-T, not affect, effect of everything that's happening to you? So exactly like you said, are you kind of the hero and therefore take on the responsibility of, of sitting above the line and being at cause of your environment or you are, are, you at, are you at effect of what's happening and some really great examples there's a couple that I really love that help put into perspective what above the line and below line is for anyone who's on the tubes (laughs) I keep looking to the left like there's a ghost there (laughs) like there's a mime (laughs) mime to (laughs) there's someone actually feeding me lines (laughs) no I actually have this model that we'll have in the show loads (laughs) sitting on my wall and it has been there I think for as long as I've been running the business so this is a thing that I look at every day to remind myself am I at cause or am I at effect so a couple of things that I love blame is below the line but responsibility is above the line and how many leaders do you know Julie who sit and blame everyone else for their problems instead of taking responsibility Mm, it's them not me correct correct but from a question asking perspective if I'm above the line then I'm not saying who can I blame for this I'm looking at okay how am I responsible for the creation of this problem where can I take responsibility for, especially if you're in a leadership position, where can I take responsibility for not 
communicating well enough, not having systems set up well enough, not having boundaries set up well enough, not communicating. Did I do your communication? Hmm. That's good. That's I think that's very important. Yeah. Communication, you know, how am I not communicating well enough? So, and again, they might not be the best questions, but they're a better question of how am I responsible as opposed to how can I blame someone else? Yeah. And in that, so in that specific little scenario that you've I've just written down, what else could I have done? Mm, what else could exactly. I have done? Because, you know, responsibility goes, if you want to go for responsibility, goes all the way, you know, you mm-hmm. were equally involved with generating that result. Correct. Correct. I love that. What was that question again, Julie? What else I really could I have done? That. What else could I have done? I love that. I'm writing that down. Could I have done? And to be a bit more specific for the lovely listeners and watchers, <laughs> the viewers, what else could, if it was a team member that wasn't performing well, underperforming, what else could I have done to make sure that they were clear on the why, that they were clear on the process, that they understood what success looked like, that I could have given, what other resources could I have given that person? Did I give them enough training, enough time, enough patience, enough support, et cetera? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Another one that I really love is, Problem solution, and this is the rumination part. So problem is below the line, solution is above the line. And I now share this with clients in my initial engagement because we can, when we're in an unresourceful state, we can easily stay in that problem state. And the number of times that I have said to clients, what I would like you to do, and there's, you know, a bit of art and science and coaching around it, but ultimately I want you to come up with 30 ways to solve this problem and people are resistant often to that because they want to stay in that space of, no, 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 but I've got this problem. And it's like, yep, you do. And and I've tried to solve it. Yep, you have, but there's another way to solve it. So if we've got a, a problem-solving mind, then we are looking for ways to. I'm sure I've, I'm sure I've said this before. We don't skin cats. <laughs> just for the record, we do not skin cats. But there are a thousand ways to skin a cat. So there are a thousand ways to solve a problem. Or as, and um, any- or as um, Paul, no, Paul Simon, is it Paul Simon, Simon and Garfunkel? Paul Simon says there's fifty ways to leave your lover. You know, oh. many ways to do stuff. <laughs> Fifty ways to leave your lover. <laughs> Julian had to sing a little bit more for us. <laughs> <laughs> so certainly, I think that we can often also be in that mindset of no, I've I've tried to solve the problem and it didn't work, and so I'm done. And I'm and I've been I've been I'm guilty, Julie, of saying, oh well, well let's give up then. Nothing else we can do here. <laughs> You tried. Yeah. You failed. That's it. <laughs> this is unfixable. <laughs> unfixable. And another example, which is probably the other one that I really like above all the rest of them. There's, there's heaps and, and different words will resonate with different people. But similar to problem and solution is stuck and choice. So when we feel like we're stuck and there is no option, the above the line way to think about it is 
where is the choice that I have here? Or what are the choices that I'm currently making that if I made different choices, I would no longer be stuck, which I think comes back to that question that you asked. If I'm stuck and I've created this challenge, what else could I have done is a choice. What other choices could I have made in this scenario? Or right as I'm in the scenario is what other choices could I could I make? Mm. And it's interesting. The thought that has come to my brain after you've been mentioning those things is in order to come up with solutions, we need to get that creative brain happening. And when we're feeling crappy about ourselves and all's lost and there's no answer to this and it's just blah, 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 is that when our creative brain is in action? No, it's not. So recognise that, you know, if you want to remain in that space, go nuts, you know, give yourself a time limit. I'm going to remain in the space for two hours and then I'm going to snap out of it or I'm going to park that problem and feel bad about it until I reschedule to start thinking about it again at 10 o'clock in the morning, for example. But recognise that give yourself every chance of finding a solution by flipping that resistant below the line thinking around, that mindset around to going, and it's, it's reminded me of a, have you heard of Marie Folio, an American mm-hmm. dynamic gal? And she's got that book out because her mother gave her this advice when she was little, everything's figureoutable. So just remind yourself, I'm going to be parking this problem because I'm stuck in it at the moment. I'm going to park this problem. But in order for me to start thinking about it again, I had to come from a figureoutable, everything's a figure, everything is figureoutable mindset. Mm-hmm. There's solutions for everything. I, just because I can't see it doesn't mean that there's not a solution. Mm. It's a really good point that you bring up and it's a it's sort of an NLP-ish approach, I suppose, that you want to change your state in order to change the way that you're thinking. And certainly you're right, if we're in a state of stress, high stress, our brain actually takes energy away from our cognitive thinking part of our brain and goes to more of a survival part of the brain. And so in that survival part of the brain, brain is not looking for anything other than how do I get out of this situation, but not in a creative way. So definitely changing your state, going for a walk, relaxing, breathing, having a nap are all ways to actually Give your brain an opportunity to decompress so that it come, can come back with a different mindset and then have that different mindset that you go back to, which is that figure it out, figure out a rubble. <laughs> that is brilliant. I don't even know how to repeat that, but that's brilliant. And that's you brilliant. brought up another really tremendous point as well, that when you're shifting state, um, in order for you to come up with a creative way that you haven't already been doing to date of doing a thing, you have to give your, your, you don't have to do anything. You would give your brain a chance, the opportunity to seek out those things when you don't then distract it with social media or the next project on your list or the next task or a phone call or whatever it is. Go out for a walk or a run or a drive or go for a a lie down and just free your mind up a little bit and free your mind up for more than just a few minutes. Like go five, ten minutes and just every new thought that comes into your head, just 
just go, oh, that's great. My, you know, a new thoughts come in because that's where the solutions lie. We may, like, in all likelihood, we've got the amount of knowledge that we need to do the next helpful thing. Mm-hmm. So give ourselves the chance to hear the next helpful thing that our subconscious is trying to bring into our conscious mind. So, Julie, as you were talking, I started to write down some questions and there's some great coaching frameworks that people can look at that can actually help you to ask better questions of yourself. But one of the key questions, I think, is what do you really want? Because most people, Julie, you would know, most people can tell you exactly what they don't want but they can't tell you what they do want. It's true. That's true. So framing it in a positive, what do I actually want and what, is it, what does it look like can help shift the brain into thinking about how to get there because if we're looking at it's the red car, it's the car, the car analogy. So uh, I can't the, remember uh, what the particular activating system. That's the Correct. Gold star for Julie. She gets to stay on the podcast. <laughs> Reticulating activation system. RAM? RAS? REM? Anyway, the idea about that, and anyone who has bought a car would be familiar with this. As soon as you start looking to buy a new car, there will be certain models that you like or certain colors that you are looking out for and all of a sudden all you see on the road is that car or that color and that is because you have told your brain to look out for that car or that color to give you evidence so if you are framing in the negative of these are the things that I don't want then your brain is going to find the evidence to show you that you don't want that whereas if you're able to look at the what is it that I do want then you will find evidence of the what you do want but it's about getting clarity around what you do want not what you don't want I love it so so yeah what do you want is a really great question I think what do you really want I'll tell you what I want, what I really, really want. That sounds like a good line in a song. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's right. And I think that's it, just to remind ourselves, you know, was the goal just to get a sign-up today? What was actually the goal there? The goal is that you build a successful business. (laughs) So let's not say everything's failing now because this particular thing didn't happen. And so, again, just recognise that's the vision, that's the goal, that's where I'm working towards. Okay, so... What's the next helpful step I can take that's going to be towards that rather than standing still or going backwards? And as they say, there's there's no standing still. It's only going backwards. (laughs) (laughs) Green and growing. When everyone else is going forward, you are going backwards. You're getting smaller in the background. Green green and growing, dead and dying. No, green and growing. (laughs) Green and growing. You talking about your garden? <laughs> Mary Mary quite cherry. How does your garden grow? <laughs> so that's been one of my questions. That's been a helpful thing, not even just when I'm stuck in the why is that working? But in any challenge in life, anything that's you go, Oh, I'd like to move on from this. What's if I can't get out of it, if I can't have the whole answer, then what's just the next helpful thing? I just want to move forward a little bit. If I can't move forward in a big way, I'll move, move forward in a little way. Well, you've, you've jumped ahead in terms of the questions, but 
in terms of the questions that I was going to ask, but that's a really great one. What's the first, what's the next first step or what's the first step? A lot of the time when we get in overwhelm, overwhelm, we've got lots of things. And I had a client yesterday who was in overwhelm and there were lots of tasks going on and they said, oh, I know I just need to break it down. And I'm like, yeah, you do. But perhaps we're not thinking about this in steps because the first step is to break it down. We're actually going between, I know I need to break it down, but then I've got all these other things to do. No, no, the first step is to break it down. So let's break it down. So actually really solidifying what is the next best step for you to take can really help in that situation of got so much to do. What do I do next? Um, is what, what is, well, what is the next step? Yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> I love the question around failure or not so much failure, but what's not working is what am I learning? Oh, I love that. That's good. Mm. Mm. What am I learning? Mm. And can I that just, I was just bringing up a quote so I could get it right and that kind of, what you just said just feeds straight into it. Do you mind if I read it out? You can read it out. As you would know and anybody else knows who knows Charles, he's a huge fan of Buckminster Fuller. And Buckminster Fuller, for those people who are not aware of who he is, he is, was an American architect, systems theorist, author, designer, inventor, philosopher and futurist and he's known by Bucky but he also published over 30 books he was the world president of Mensa from 1974 to 1983 and he was awarded 47 honorary doctorates because he was just so brilliant like ridiculously brilliant and well, I love yeah, Mensa you need to have a bit of an IQ for that <laughs> I imagine he's IQ is slightly higher than mine, only by a point or so, I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> and this is a quote that he has around mistakes, but I like the last sentence because it taps into what you were just saying then. We were deliberately designed to learn only by trial and error. We're brought up, unfortunately, to think that nobody should make mistakes. Most children get de-geniused by the love and fear of their parents that they might make a mistake. Now, this is the lesson. This is the line. But all my advances were made by mistakes. You uncover what is when you get rid of what isn't. And so rather than me, because so much of uh, the way we feel, I mean, it's all from our thoughts. The way we feel is directly because of the way we, what the, the thoughts that we're having. And when I'm in that space of frustration, why has anyone purchased yet? If I repeat that line, I'm just get re getting rid of what isn't and that's how I'm going to get to what is. Isn't that beautiful? I love that. It's all about getting rid of what isn't and that's how you discover what is. And it's a little bit also into the Brooke Castillo um, thing that she had a great analogy. She's a life coach. She has the life coach school, and schoolionaire, very, very successful. And she says, if I'm, if, if I'm learning how to ride a unicycle, in all of the hours of practice and modifying how I do it, until the point in time I ride that unicycle without falling off, everything leading up to that point has been failure. Everything leading up to that point, using the Bucky thing, was finding out what wasn't, how not to do it. 
and now I know how to do it. Like when you and I develop coaching programs and a business that's turning over, like Brooke Castillo, $54 million in the past year. I'm close, Julie. I'm close. (laughs) Everything up until that point was finding out how to do it, was finding out how not to do it and how to do it. And only upon reflection can you say, this is how it's done. So it's about that NLP reframing what it all means as well, what these seemingly failing actions, what they actually mean. I'm just finding out what isn't so I know how to do it properly. I know how to succeed in it. Mm. I when, when you were talking, and I absolutely love that quote, what came up for me was an idea around the growth mindset and I'm just looking at some images because one of the things about a growth mindset is failure is an opportunity to grow and challenges help me help me to grow. Feedback is constructive. I like new things, things like that. And so I wonder when we take a growth mindset approach to problems or challenges, we are looking at this from a, well, this is just a step. And there's been something that's happened in my brain this year. I don't know what it is, probably healing from the past three years. It could be that. But anyway, it's not Shannon's therapy session. <laughs> but but my recent thing is I have been really going hard lately. And one of the things that stopped me from getting frustrated around speed of things if if there was a desire to have it go faster is this is just a step this is just a step this is just a learning opportunity this is I'm just I'm on the pathway yeah and you know success the reminder that there is no overnight successes right it all takes like Castillo it all takes time so reminding ourselves or asking ourselves the question to because it's about questions it's not really about telling ourselves things is actually about, well, what's the question that we can ask ourselves in that moment? It probably goes back to what am I learning, but what other questions would do you think would be helpful in that space of? I've written something here. Oh, <laughs> I couldn't write my, read my own writing. I read it. I, I write quickly so I don't miss the words that you say, but then I write so quickly I can't read my own writing. <laughs> um, one of the questions that I've got written down here is I wonder where the answer is. Oh, so do I need to speak to somebody different? Do I need, need to listen to a podcast? Do I need to do some research on YouTube? Do I need just to do a random Google search? Do I need to find somebody that is in the same workspace as me and ask them the same question that that's going through my mind? So where, I wonder where the answer is. If it's not coming out of my own brain, where could I go to seek out that answer? Mm. Which kind of leads me into another little thing, but I'll let you go first. Oh, no. I was just going to say that the question that I would ask on the back of that for me would be who else has solved this problem? Beautiful. Beautiful. I love it. I love it. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. What's your, what was your little addition? Well, it just made me think about earlier what you were saying. I can't remember which one, but um, there was a little meditation that my old next door neighbor told me about years ago. And I found it wildly useful when I had my own dental practice. I was at the first time that I was really the leader, the people manager, the business responsibility, all the things. And she had this lovely meditation that if I was having trouble with anything in particular, you know, do the usual kind of meditation thing where you're kind of walking down 
a spiral staircase into a dungeony area, walk down, 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 get to like a nice hypnotic space. And then there's two chairs in the round little stone dungeon and there's a door. And having your head the kind of person that would have the answers. So if it was a moral or business dilemma, my dad would be the one that I would go to for answers around that. And there could be the same when it comes to, you know, a human interaction with a team or, in, you know, an inspiring human being or, a, a, you know, even, you know, possibly somebody who was very effective in marketing or who, whichever mentor you that you know or you don't know that is alive or dead, you summon them, you knock on the door and you summon, and you summon them into the room and you sit with them and you say, this is exactly what's going on for me right now. And then you be quiet and you let them speak. And every time I did it, new insights were revealed to me, whether it was a universal thing or whether they're back there in the subconscious anyway, but I just gave the opportunity for them to come to the conscious. Whatever the reason behind it, I always came out of those meditations with helpful information. Mm. So that's really just giving yourself an opportunity to to take a moment and then allowing your brain to kind of oscillate and ha- whatever you believe in, it really doesn't matter because one way or the other and a new thought will come through. And I think it's helpful to get out of your own head because you've got that internal dialogue. You're not good at it, which is why you have to do the meditation. <laughs> Why you have to ask for advice? And so if you go, oh, no, but the information is coming from somebody, not me. It's from over there. And so I think that getting into that that way, that dialogue with somebody that is not yourself, it can, it no longer relies on your own core values, belief systems. It's not all the information is not battling through all of that first. You know what I mean? Like it's coming from somewhere else. So it doesn't matter what I think, believe. This is just new information that's coming in from somebody else. I'm not, I'm not hindering myself. I'm not smothering it myself. I think a strategy outside of certain questions that you ask, a strategy that is useful is actually externalising the question and the answer. It's not something that I use because I'm – bonkers enough and if people heard me talking to myself they would definitely know that's that's terrible but (laughs) it's not something that I'm necessarily comfortable with but others have said to me that actually talking in the mirror or asking the question externally has shifted and it's just because it uses a different part of your brain nice nice I like it Mm. I like it um, I'm just, for anyone again on the tubes, I got out my big red book, which is my foundational coaching stuff because there's some really good questions in there. One of the questions that they, they the coaches, the professionals, <laughs> use is, you know, what would you do differently next time at the end of a session? But I actually think that when you're in a challenge is, you know, once I've solved this problem, what would I do differently next time? And that might be a really confronting question, but what that preempts or what it presupposes is that you've already solved the problem and now you've already stepped up to that new level. Mm. So once you've already stepped up to that new level, how would you do it differently? Yeah, and that brings me back to, you know, that I come back to it all the time, that space that you created for me, how to get over anything in your life, any change, shift any 
belief, unhelpful belief in your life or whatever the thing is, but you had me future pace to the more successful me <laughs> and identify how, what this person did, what their habits were, how they behaved, how they thought. That's right. And so, okay, the person one year down the track's already, the, the one year in the future version of you has already solved this problem. So go talk mm-hmm. to her. Yeah. <laughs> But that's exactly right. So that really goes to um, some of the, is it James Clear, Atomic Habits with around the identity? You know, you, we, in order to really fundamentally create change, we've got to change our identity because it's not us today that solves the future problems, but it's the future version of us that solves the problem. So we have to identify who we are in the future and simply by doing that, we start to embody the person in the future. And so we ask the question of, how does my future self do this? And in fact, I've got a question I've got a, on a post-it note in front of me that says, and this is all about future, Shannon, how am I turning up today to foster a beautiful relationship with her being me tomorrow? Hmm. And so that, that that came about through this idea of, if I want future Shannon to have a good life and to have a meaningful life and to overcome the challenges of past Shannon, then how do I need to show up today in order to achieve that for future Shannon? And that's been a really impactful question for me because it's like, well, if future Shannon's really fit and healthy, current Shannon has to drink less. <laughs> <laughs> I want to come back to what you talked about too earlier, you know, 50 ways to leave your lover, 1,000 ways to skin a cat, 30 ways to solve a problem. There are all these (laughs) lovely figures out there. I think that's a good starting point as well. Regardless, I'm not going to gauge whether any I'm going to do any of these or whether these are the absolute answer or not, but let me think of right now, let me just write down 30 ways or 20, whatever resonates with you. It has to be more than 10, I feel like, because you have to start getting those creative juices flowing. But let me now write down 20 things that I could do that would help somebody buy the thing, help that team member be more successful, whatever. Just sit down and list 20 things. Mm. Yeah, it's amazing what happens because we overcome our own prejudices that this problem can't be solved because, and actually more than 10 is better because we are, we can do 10, but when we, it's kind of like doing an extra push up, right? Like, Oh, I can't do an extra push up and you do one and then your brain goes, Oh, hang on. We put a limit on that. Maybe we could do another one. Oh my God. The brain to do 20 plus. What's your ideal 30? Is it 30? 30 push-ups? No. Yeah, sure, go for it, Julie. <laughs> I saw Charles doing push-ups after his bike ride. He was out there doing push-ups on the lawn before. Grounding and push-ups at the same time. Multitasker. <laughs> um, no, it depends on the – so your question was how many suggestions do I ask people to come up with? Depends on the person. You know, this is the whole idea of coaching. Some clients I will challenge to give me 30 ideas – some clients, if they're really sort of stuck, it'll be 10. Um, but I will kind of go 10 is the minimum and 
you want to get further than that. And what I've added here too is keep the lists <laughs> when you've written down or you've got to come up against this resistance time and time again in maybe, you know, half a dozen different avenues of your business. Start keeping the lists, put them in, you know, an online calendar that keeps appearing, event that keeps appearing or Trello or whatever your process is, but keep the lists. And so next time you have that, reflect over the list. Oh, that's right. There's a whole bunch of things I can do now. Mm. I'm just, again, I'm just going through my foundational coaching stuff to look, and there's a, a certain set of questions that I'm trying to find. Um, but one of the other ones that I come up with, come up with, <laughs> get some English proper. Um, if you don't have the problem, how will that be a problem or issue for you? One of the things that we resist is change. And if we can actually identify that, one of the things is that we are resisting the change because there is a secondary, not so much a gain, but there's a secondary cost to it. Once we know what that is, we can then be aware of what is holding us back. So that question is, if you don't have what you want, if you don't get the answer, how will that be a problem or an issue for you? Or, if you, or the alternative is, if you do get that problem solved, how will that be an issue for you? Because a lot of the times, not so much yourself, Julie, because I think you play above the line all the time, but a lot of us don't want to change because everything that happens, there's always a secondary gain. So I think I mentioned to you, Julie, I've had a couple of clients who have been getting like lack of focus and all the rest of it. There is a gain in there. So actually asking the question, what is my secondary gain? So for example... Um, an example might be, I say I want to be fit and healthy, but then I don't go to the gym or then I don't eat right. Well, what's the secondary gain? Well, the secondary gain is that I actually don't have to go to the gym. I don't have to sweat and I get to eat sugary lollies. So actually. enjoyment of life, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And so this is where when we can at least identify that we're getting a gain, a gain from the experience or from the problem that we have, then we can understand why we're staying in the problem. So what am I getting from this problem is a really good one. I like it. Julie, I also want to share a little coaching questions. And I don't I very rarely ask these questions because mm. honestly, I think most it takes a lot of brain space to answer these questions. But I think they're really helpful because they can one help uncover why change is not happening and they can help you work out, look at the problem in lots of different contexts. So this is a, it's called a Cartesian question. And I'll just read them out. And Julie, I'm not going to be able to look at your face, so I'll I will have to play this back to see what your face does while <laughs> I'll I make sure it's it. animated. Yeah. So, what would happen if you did X? Which is did X solve the problem, fix the issue, whatever? What would happen if you didn't do X? What wouldn't happen if you did do X? And what won't, sorry, what won't happen if you did X and what won't happen if you didn't do X? Gotcha. So they it's looking questions. at, well, they're good questions. Yeah. 
And so the idea is then this is an opportunity for you to take a step back and to really take that and analytical thinking, ask different questions to get a different response. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Yeah. I love it. Very good. <laughs> effective questions we've thrown out, effective mindsets, effective meaning to the frustration and not having all the answers. I'm also called to talk about, you know, Charles's uh, insight around problems. What's your reward for solving problems? Some people say happiness, relief, you know, you can relax. And he said, no, your reward for solving problems is bigger problems. <laughs> <laughs> that indeed our lives, especially as entrepreneurs, but in your know, parenting and all business management, all the things, what, what, what do we do all the time? We solve we're consistently solving problems all the time. And the problems that we had when we were little children are not problems to us anymore because we are so competent. Our problems right now are difficult, but future pacing yourself to the what person version of you five years down the track, that's not a problem anymore because done and dusted competent in that now. And so recognizing that if you've if we get these problems cropping up for number one, of course, there's problems everywhere. We don't, you know, we don't, there's no get out of jail free card here. We're always having problems. And, you know, so many times people have said, and if you throw all your problems with all your neighbours and all your friends into the one basket, you'll likely see all their problems and go, no, no, I'll take mine back out again. Thanks very much. So you, guys, <laughs> you, have, you do you. <laughs> I'm going to do me. And so recognise that problems are a part of life. And you've got this big problem because you deserve it, because you're so competent, you've earned it. And when you solve it, done, you're more competent and it's no longer such a big problem moving forward. And so it is part of that growth journey, isn't it? That constant, never-ending improvement, evolution. Yes. Mm. Thank God. I, I, love, <laughs> I love the reminder that your problems create the reason you've got problems or what happens when you solve a problem, you get more problems, but it is about kind of going up to that next level because then you've just got different problems to solve, yeah. which how amazing is that? Could you imagine if we were still solving the problems of what we had in high school? That's beautiful. Can oh, you imagine trying to solve the same problem over and over again? Talk about beating your head up against a brick wall. Oh, oh my gosh, that's numbing. Just <laughs> I just had a visceral reaction. I don't know if it was talking about high school or the idea that I was just spending every day contemplating the same problems. Holy moly. Actually, that is there is there is a question. Be thankful for the current problems because you could always be repeating the same right. problem. Thank God this is a new one. Oh, I love how new this is. <laughs> <laughs> other questions that we need to ask which is a question question mark <laughs> uh well Before it we certainly helped me um, reframe the frustration and i i agree with you i think that bucky quote of it's just we're just determining what isn't you know for us to know that the what is and you know this is the journey this is enjoyable depending on what side of it we're looking at that you know the world's working for me, the world's working against me sort of thing. So it is just about making sure you get your mindset right around it. Chunk yourself into a different space, a more helpful space, and that's where the solutions will be revealed to you. And I know that we're wrapping it up, but 
actually, and the question to ask around the mindset is what mindset do I need to have? So simply saying, I'll just change your mindset. Okay, to what? What mindset is going to help support me to get from where I am to get to where I'm going? Mm. Yeah, and it's helpful. I mean, you've got that above the and below the line thing often in the distance there where the ghosts are. Mm. <laughs> I've got all these great quotations, choose to be happy, keep your mind fixed on what you want in life, not on what you don't want, all of these helpful quotations. Do whatever it takes for yourself to remind yourself of these un- these helpful mindsets so you can more easily be reminded of the space to hold. Mm. And asking the question of what do I need to do to remind myself around these mindsets? Because we're all unique, right? You've, you've got them, certainly putting them visually is really helpful. Some people write them on their their uh, mirror so they can look at it in the morning. Some people do it as an affirmation first thing in the morning. Some people rewrite them every day. So definitely looking at that. Oh, there's one more question Ooh. which came out of the the Hero on a Mission workshop, Julie, and that is what is something that I would regret if I didn't do it today? Nice. What is something I would regret tomorrow if I didn't do it today? It's a very it's not around goals, but it's like I really want to call that person and I'm going to regret that if I didn't don't do it tomorrow. Or I'm going to send that that text message and tell that person that I love them. Um, hopefully, someone that it's not inappropriate for you to <laughs> happily know them. Don't just ring a random number. <laughs> it just confuses people. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So yeah, beautiful. So in the wrap, the questions that you ask yourself determine the quality of the ways that you live or the problems that you solve. Have a think about, check out our above the line, below the line item in our show notes or show notes, either way. And be aware of how you're framing the problem and ask a better question to reframe your experience in a more positive way to solve the problem. I love it. I love it. That's fine. Oh, I'm really very, very thankful for my problems, I have to say. I can't wait till I solve them all. Yay! <laughs> because then there's be bigger problems. Maybe I don't want to solve my current problems. I don't want bigger problems. No, that's not the right mindset. Well, it depends what mindset you want, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Thanks, Shan. Well, I'll speak to you again in a couple of weeks. Yes, Good luck shall. to your, your beautiful webinar that you're hosting. Did you want to say a couple of things about that? Well, I can. I can. Um, part of my uh, strategy is to run free information and educational webinars once a month, ideally, over this year. And they are not a one of those things where you go get up and you hear five minutes of content and then it's a nice hard sell for the rest of the hour. It's genuine desire to actually help people with information and so come along it's free um we will put a link in the show notes and um we will um yeah i'll be doing more and more beautiful that is fantastic so inspired-outcomes.com uh yes although you know because it's just a landing page it's com forward slash master dash class beautiful and the show notes will include the link so go there it's nice and simple and easy yeah yeah thank you thank you for promoting 
Only promote useful stuff, Shannon. Oh, bless. Bless. <laughs> See you in a fortnight. Thank you. Bye. Bye.